The Anchored City Podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man never told. And I cast aside my worries And just went digging for gold And I will scale the highest mountains Looking for the bluest blue If you bike, cross-country ski, run, or walk in Anchorage, there's a good chance you visited the 300-acre Russian Jack Springs Park via the nine miles of trail system that run through that park. In addition to the trails, the park boasts a golf course, complete with AstroTurf putting greens, softball and soccer fields, tennis courts, areas for picnics, and playgrounds. The park is also the home of the municipal greenhouse. The park area has had an interesting story. During World War II, the land was used by the military, and at the end of the conflict in 1948, the land was sold by the U.S. War Assets Administration as surplus for $16,000 back to the city to become a park. In addition to recreation, the city was also reportedly interested in acquiring the freshwater springs at the site as an emergency water source. However, before the area became a park, it was turned into a minimum security prison farm for inmates being held by the Anchorage Police Department. The area that now houses the greenhouse and the golf course was used by the prison farm, as it was referred to, to produce vegetables, particularly cabbages and potatoes. It worked like a truck farm, supplying the vegetables for the city jail and several local agencies. The municipal website notes that inmates from the farm had committed minor offenses involving alcohol. This becomes an interesting and curious fact of history when one steps back just a little bit further into the history of the park and the city. That I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over Substance use and misuse have long been a part of the history of Alaska and Anchorage. According to one local historian, from the time the U.S. Army took over responsibility for governing Alaska in 1867, law enforcement found it had its hands full trying to stem the flow of liquor into the territory until alcohol was legalized in 1899. When the Presbyterian missionary Sheldon Jackson arrived in Alaska in 1884, One of his goals was to ban or control the manufacture and sale of liquor. In the detailed rules issued by the federal government for the auction of the original Anchorage town site, a provision was put into place that no lots would be sold for the purpose of manufacturing, selling, or otherwise disposing of intoxicating liquor or beverage, or gambling, prostitution, or any other unlawful purpose. Further regulations were imposed outlawing the sale of alcohol in the city or within five miles of the railroad right away. At the time, the nearest place to buy legal booze was at the saloon in the town of Kinnick, 
across Kinnick Arm. This saloon supplied some of the alcohol illegally leaking into the city. One source notes that although Anchorage was legally dry until 1933, the consumption of alcohol far exceeded the national average. Into this environment stepped bootleggers. The bootleg manufacture and distribution of alcohol developed into an art in Anchorage and the surrounding area. Moonshine arrived by sled in the winter. It was smuggled by boat through Bootleggers Cove. Liquor was manufactured in clandestine shacks tucked into the woods surrounding the city. And the tales of smuggled contraband hooch arriving in five-gallon cans disguised as hay bales and in cans marked as tomatoes have become part of Anchorage lore. Even children were profiting from the bootlegging trade. Local children were paid $5 for reporting the location of illegal stills to the authorities. One enterprising young man, Frank Reed, who went on to become a banker and city leader, sold bottles to bootleggers for 35 cents a dozen. The bootleggers did not always get away with it. Some believe that Anchorage's first police chief, Jack Sturgis, was murdered as revenge for a bust that was made in the previous weeks. Adding to that speculation is the account of Anchorage police discovering a large stash of bootlegging equipment in the aftermath of the 1964 earthquake in the basement of the building near where Sturgis was shot. In one interesting bust in 1916, federal officers seized 3,820 bottles of whiskey and 814 bottles of beer at Point Campbell, an area many would know as the beach area of Kincaid Park, bound for Anchorage. The feds decided rather than disposing of the illegal drink, as was the normal practice, they would sell it at auction in Seward. The decision grew criticism from citizens and the press. The Seward paper noted that the practice of selling alcohol cannot be so very vile when Uncle Sam himself adopts it as his profession. The Anchorage paper also pointed out the hypocrisy, writing, The sale of liquor places the government in a rather anomalous position in this, that while in the sacred limits of the town site in Anchorage, the sale of liquors is prohibited, we find the same government preparing itself to engage in the sale of intoxicating liquors in a neighboring community. The sale in Seward was postponed, and there's no record that it ever took place. But what does this have to do with Russian Jack Springs Park? And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And all the questions I never knew But loving you just once was worth it Russian Jack Springs Park is named after an early Anchorage resident who went by a number of names. But most folks simply knew him as Russian Jack. Russian Jack was born near Kiev in the Ukraine in 1883. He was married in 1907, and he and his wife had two children by 1912. Around that same time, Jack left for America. He arrived first in Canada, entering at Halifax in 1912, then lived in British Columbia until 1915 when he made his way to the United States and eventually to Anchorage. In 1916, he was working as a laborer building the Alaska Railroad, and soon after, he was listed as the proprietor of the Montana Pool Room at 435 4th Avenue, 
the location of the Alaska Mint today. The pool room was listed as his residence until 1922. Pool halls at the time were often fronts for other illegal activities such as prostitution and alcohol sales. Soon after, Russian Jack was known to be living, in reality he was squatting, in the woods three miles east of town owned by two other Russian immigrants. Jack's permit for the land he was occupying was limited to harvesting wood. The location was ideal for a bootlegger since it had access to fresh water at the springs. Russian Jack soon becomes known in Anchorage as a bootlegger. Tales are told of him delivering his illicit product door-to-door like a milkman. One story told by John Bagoy is that Russian Jack would hire a woman to deliver moonshine using a baby buggy with a doll inside as cover. In 1923, Russian Jack was caught with three gallons of moonshine and three barrels of mash ready to be made into more shine. Once the repeal of Prohibition in 1933 brought the need for illegal liquor manufacture and distribution to an end, Russian Jack supported himself as a carpenter and doing odd jobs. In 1938, he was convicted of manslaughter for the shooting death of taxicab driver Milton Hamilton. He serves time in a federal prison near Seattle and returns to Anchorage upon his release. In the latter years of his life, in the 1940s and 1950s, Russian Jack was seen as a local character, and his checkered past was largely forgotten or unknown by the new residents flooding into the city. Since the woods where he once lived was called Russian Jack's Woods by longtime residents, that was a good enough name when the area was made into a park in the late 1960s. In 1968, the prison farm was moved to a location in South Anchorage near the International Airport. It continues today as the Clitheroe Center, a Salvation Army program for Alaskans seeking treatment for substance abuse. Russian Jack Springs Park is tangled in the history of substance use and misuse in Anchorage, as well as the history of treatment and recovery. Once the home of a bootlegger supplying a thirsty city with illegal moonshine, it became a prison for those who committed crimes under the influence of alcohol and is the roots of those in recovery at the Clitheroe Center. Substance use and misuse in Anchorage is an issue that continues today. The municipality of Anchorage states that Substance misuse remains one of the top concerns of our community, pointed to in both health needs assessments and community conversations. Substance misuse and related addiction is having a negative emotional and financial impact on our city. In our next episode, we will continue to consider the issue of substance use and misuse in Anchorage. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission that in part makes this podcast possible. We are also grateful for our partnership with Street Psalms. Check them out at streetpsalms.org. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, 
please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and recommend us to your friends. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchorage City Podcast is hosted by Joel Kickenfeld and is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, heart, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they are supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org and on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme song is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.